0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the
1: official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hour number three of already a program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio there's a lot of pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. You are a six and three football team inside your own division. The Ravens just advanced to eight and three last night. The Bengals fall to five and five. Joe Burrow is done for the season. And then the Cleveland Browns, the team that you're going up against this weekend, Sunday at the Cleveland Browns Stadium, is starting Dorian Thompson Robinson because Deshaun Watson is out for the year. We all know the Steelers have a tremendous defense. T.J. Watt is sensational. Alex Highsmith is phenomenal. This defense is so good in Pittsburgh. Cleveland also has a lethal defense. And when you look at both of these offenses, they have been highly offensive this year, where the Browns unfortunately have lost Nick Chubb for the year. Deshaun Watson is now done for the year. And for the Steelers, they have not had any success on the offensive side of the ball. They've been outgained in every game this season. And I look at Pittsburgh, and I'm saying, where are they heading offensively? Matt Canada is a bad offensive coordinator. I don't care if he's on the sidelines or if he's up in the uh, the coach's box. You then look at Kenny Pickett. He has six passing touchdowns this year. It is crazy for an NFL quarterback that was drafted in the first round and is in year number two, who, by the way, has seven game-winning drives in his career to only have six passing touchdowns this season. We know George Pickens is all about himself, and even when the team wins, he's annoyed that he doesn't get enough targets. Najee Harris has been too up and down. I like Jalen Warren. This offensive line has not been good enough. This is a big week for Mac Canada, because I don't want to hear... If the Steelers lose this game to Dorian Thompson-Robinson and Kenny Pickett can't do jack on offense and the Steelers' offense can't do anything, I don't want to hear Mike Tomlin defend his offensive coordinator after the game. If Mac Canada can't find a way to put more points on the board than Dorian Thompson-Robinson's Cleveland Browns, he needs to be shown the door and he needs to be fired after this game. And don't tell me, oh, there's no point to change an offensive coordinator or you can't do it. Because we just saw the Buffalo Bills get rid of Ken Dorsey coming off a loss. I don't think it will happen with Mike Tomlin. I don't believe, since Mike Tomlin hasn't done it yet, that he will do it. And he's kind of pushed back on any criticism of uh, Matt Canada. And we all know everyone in that fan base has galvanized around and waved their uh, terrible towels around the idea of getting rid of Matt Canada. But I don't want to hear this nonsense. I don't want to hear excuses. If you don't beat the Cleveland Browns, you lose to the Cleveland Browns and the Browns have Deshaun Watson, different story. You lose that game 17-16, you lose that game 23-20, 27-24, okay, I could live with that. If you go down to Deshaun Watson, who was just starting to knock off the rust before his season-ending injury. You lose to Dorian Thompson-Robinson and your offense looks lethargic and putrid I don't want to see Mac Canada have a job on Monday. You know, it's one thing if you lose the game and no one thinks his score is going to be like 41 to 38. (laughs) Can't even say that with the straight face. Or 38, 34, even 31, 28. No one thinks the score is going to be that high. This is going to be a sloppy, tough game to watch, low-scoring game where, in, in all honesty, the defenses probably will get a score. They may both get a score each. And we, we saw what Pittsburgh was able to do the first time up against Cleveland when Pittsburgh won in their, in their house. And what their defense was able to do with T.J. Watt that night and Alex Highsmith as well. But if this is a game where we expect it to be low scoring, under 20 points, 20-7, to seven, you know, maybe you get to 20, you get to twenty seventeen, 17 whatever it is, 17-14. And this offense does nothing and one of your scores come defensively, I don't understand when you have a team that has a great defense and has a championship caliber defense and the offense has been horrendous, how you would be able to justify continuing with Matt Canada. It is the definition of insanity when things fail to not adapt, to not adjust, and to not change. And now injuries do matter. And the bar is... For the Cleveland Browns has been set lower. Even though the Browns are 6-3. and three And the Steelers are 6-3. and three. But you look at the offense. Kenny Pickett in year two. Mac Canada another year in this offense. Should be able to put up more points than the Cleveland Browns. When the Browns are starting. Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. It just has to happen this week. The Steelers. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have no reason to believe in the offense. But these teams are pretty much identical. Defense, solid. Defense, phenomenal. Defense, great. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you don't really know what you're going to get. At least you know Cleveland has a good offensive line, even with the Jedrick Wills injury. At least Cleveland, even without Nick Chubb, is displayed they can run the football. But for the Steelers, it's spin the wheel every week of incompetence on what their offense is going to be. And most of the weeks... It pops up with a crappy offensive performance, and the defense does enough. And it's kind of remarkable. Like, the Steelers are one of those teams that you look at them and you go, they're six and three? Like, how are they six and three with how brutal this offense has been? And it once again just displays how great this defense has been, even with injuries to Minka Fitzpatrick, even with injuries to Cam Hayward. But this is the last straw. This should be it for Matt Canada. As an offensive coordinator with a young second-year quarterback where things have not clicked here and things have not thrived, I get it. The Browns' defense is really damn bleeping good. But it's not as if your defense, which is just as good of the Steelers, is going up against this phenomenal quarterback. This is one of the few weeks... Where on paper, the Steelers should have the edge on offense. Even with what Kareem Hunt can do. Even with what that offensive line is in Cleveland. It's Dorian Thompson Robinson. The Steelers have some pieces on offense. Like, I like Jalen Warren. George Pickens, he's got to screw his head on straight. But he should be a good wide receiver. Deontay Johnson has potential. Fryermuth, coming back it looks like. There are pieces on the Steelers. And for this offense to continue to be slop, continue to be just anemic, continue to just be sluggish, that's not okay. Because we opened up the show with this, with Joe Burrow going down, how a few weeks ago the Bengals were back, and now the Bengals look like they're cooked because they're going to have to start Jake Browning with Joe Burrow done for the season. You know the Chiefs still haven't played their best game on offense, but their defense has been really great, and no one's going to want to see Kansas City come playoff time as long as 15 is healthy. The Ravens They already have eight wins on the season. They're 8-3. and However, with Baltimore, Baltimore is one Lamar Jackson injury away, unfortunately, from their season coming to an end. and the last two years, we've seen Lamar not be on the field at the end of the season. We know the Chiefs and the Ravens are the two best teams in the AFC. But if you only have two teams in the conference that everyone says are the two best teams in the conference, this is an open conference. And inside the AFC East, the Dolphins are good, not great. The Bills you can't trust. The Jets you can't trust. and the AFC North, Bengals are now cooked. Browns still have a good roster. But are we going to believe in Dorian Thompson-Robinson? In the South, it's really just two teams. It's the Texans. And then it's also the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I guess the Colts still have a chance, but I'm not believing in the Colts. Talk about just making the playoffs. And in the AFC West, Raiders, I guess, are alive. Chargers, I guess, are alive, but I don't believe in either of those teams. Broncos, I guess, are alive, but I don't believe in them. And we know how great Kansas City can be. So we know what travels defense. We know that defense wins games and wins championships. Now, I'm not saying the Steelers are good enough to win a championship this year, but in a year of anything could really happen where I said this in the beginning of the show, hey, there's only five teams right now through 10, 11 weeks that I view as Super Bowl contenders and there's only two coming from the AFC and the Ravens or the Chiefs and then three coming from the NFC in the Eagles, the 49ers, and then also the Lions. That shows you that this year is open. So now, through 10 weeks of slop, through 10 weeks of crap, the Steelers have to put their best foot forward. It's put up or shut up time. And I'm not going to enable... Or allow the excuses to continue and the defense that Mike Tomlin has of Mac Canada to continue. I said it a few moments ago. I'll say it again. The Steelers offense looks putrid on Sunday. The Steelers offense plays poorly in another low-scoring affair. And they can't beat Dorian Thompson-Robinson and the Cleveland Browns. Even with how great Cleveland's defense is, there should be no more justifying and no more allowing Mac Canada to be this offensive coordinator. It would just make absolutely zero sense. Looking at the rest of the NFL slate this weekend. Because I do think there's enormous pressure now on the Steelers. Like the Browns lose. I think everyone's going to say, they lost to Sean Watson early in the week. Even though these teams are very even, even both both these teams are six and three. The Steelers now have more pressure because they at least have their starting quarterback. I look at the Bills. Tremendous amount of pressure on the Bills this weekend. And the Jets the last two years have had their number. Jets with Zach Wilson beat Buffalo one time last year. Jets this year with Zach Wilson beat Buffalo after Aaron Rodgers did go down. That crazy Monday night football game to start the season. We had the walk-off uh, punt return for the uh, for the game-winning touchdown. Buffalo now fires Ken Dorsey. Buffalo now hands the baton over to Joe Brady. Make him the new uh, interim offensive coordinator. And now you're going up against the Jets. I don't even remember the last time the Jets scored an offensive touchdown. It's been that long. So for Buffalo, I don't want to hear, oh, their offense hasn't been able to figure it out. Or, oh, on defense, they're missing Matt Milano. Or, oh, uh, they're missing Tredavious White. The Jets have a great defense. We all know that. But on offense, they have literally done nothing. On offense, they have been an embarrassment. They can't score. They can't put the ball in the end zone. Yeah, they have Brees Hall. They have uh, uh, they have um Garrett Wilson, but they don't have a quarterback, and they have maybe the worst offensive line that I've ever seen in the history of the NFL with the Jets, 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 Jets. So Steelers tremendous pressure this week. You take a glance at Buffalo, tremendous pressure this week, and then also, you know, I put some pressure on the Denver Broncos too. Coming off a win in a game where Sean Payton tried to be stupid at the end and got bailed out by um, by Sean McDermott because Sean McDermott can't count and and Sean McDermott had too many guys on the field and bailed him out on that missed field goal and then they connect the next one. Vikings Josh Dobbs story has been tremendous, but when Cortland Sutton takes that victory lap this week and says, "Oh, you now need to issue an apology to Russell Wilson and post that apology form." Broncos better win this week. Broncos are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Broncos are now starting to feel themselves a little bit. They're starting to get a little uh, loquacious in Denver because they've won three games in a row, taking care of the Packers, who stink, but then the Chiefs and the Bills, right, who before the season started, we know the Chiefs are still a great team, but Buffalo was viewed as a great team. So Denver, you want to talk that? You know what? You better back it up this week. So those are three teams heading into this NFL weekend. Broncos, I think there's pressure up against the Vikings. Bills, there's pressure up against the Jets. And then I will also say uh, there's a lot of pressure in the Steelers offense to have a pulse up against the Cleveland Browns. And then one more that I'll give you here. The Jaguars, this isn't a must-win This isn't a can't lose. This is a you got to have it. It's not going to look pretty up against Tennessee. Tennessee's not a good football team. They have the ability, though, to do some things on offense with Levis, with Hopkins, with Derrick Henry as well. The Jaguars coming off that performance last week where they just got smacked up against the 49ers. I know Jacksonville before that uh, did win four games or five games in a row taking care of the Falcons, the Bills, the Colts, the Saints, and the Steelers. This is a game that you just got to have. And we'll see what they do up against Tennessee before their next matchup against the Houston Texans, and that is on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday, 1 o'clock on CBS. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. It is Zach Gilb, show on CBS Sports Radio. Let's go to Michael in Vegas next up on the show. Michael, what's happening?
0: Hey, Zach.
1: Love your show. Appreciate it. What do you got? Hey, um, I just want to tell you, is it Matt Canada or is it the quarterback for the Steelers?
2: I'm not so sure that Pickett's any good or whatever his name is.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think Penny, uh, Kenny Pickett's going to be this phenomenal football player and he's going to light the world on fire. But they have enough pieces there where this offensive coordinator should make this offense at least look competent. And even though they have a 6-3 and three record, they have not been competent at all this year, that offense has been trash, it's been garbage, and it's been incompetent. So I'm not saying that Kenny Pickett deserves a pass. Now, like, Kenny Pickett, in a weird way, he has seven game-winning drives in his career, which is crazy. He hasn't even completed two years. There's so many negative things said about Kenny Pickett, and he only has seven game-winning drives. So part of the blame is on Kenny Pickett, but we know coaches fall first before players. And it's not as if Matt Canada is dialing up these wonderful plays and it's just all lack of execution. Zach Gelb, show CBS Sports Radio. We'll take a break. We'll come on back. we got some NFL picks in college and the NFL with Ryan Horvath from BetMGM Tonight via BetQL.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
1: All right, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Time for our weekly football Friday chat to try to win you some money with Ryan Horvat from BetMGM Tonight via BetQL. Horvat, appreciate the time as always. How you been?
2: Great to be back. Doing great, man. Getting excited for these games this weekend. Uh, Pretty good slate that we got in both college and the NFL, luckily, this week.
1: So I have my niece's one-year-old birthday party tomorrow, and it's right at 2 p.m., It's from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. I made sure that where we're going, there's going to be a TV, multiple TVs, so I am all locked in to college football, even with uh, having some uncle duties as well. So I need some early winners from you, and I need some good gambling fix so I even have more of an incentive uh, to continue to monitor these games outside of just being the diligent talk show host that I am, that I'll be following these games anyway. But I need a little extra skin in the game so I don't get distracted From my niece uh, and by my niece too much. I'll start you off noon Eastern time on ABC. Louisville getting a lot of love inside the top ten now. Nine and one. Jeff Brom going home being sensational, and they uh, go up against Miami at Hard Rock Stadium and uh, the Hurricanes right now. Mario Cristobal as their head coach in your number two are a one point favorite. Explain this line to me. Nine and one against six and four. Miami's a one point favorite. What would your play be and what is your read on this game? All right. So I bet
2: Miami here uh, is one point dogs, which one point favorites. It doesn't really make a whole lot of a difference right here. You know, I mean, I do think that they win the game. I think the thinking behind this and the reason that the line is where it's at and the reason why Miami's taking some professional money, Louisville's only played two true road games this season and they got blown out by a terrible Pittsburgh team by 17 points. And then they barely got past North Carolina state by a field goal earlier. And this time of the year, you know, when you're handicapping college football games, you know, you like to look at strength of schedule and yeah. Louisville, great season for Jeff Brom. Year one, they're nine and one. But you know, you look at the strength of schedule, and even even their quality wins, like Notre Dame. That was a great spot. Notre Dame had just gotten beat by Ohio State. Then the next week, the following week, they had that uh, last minute win over Duke. I just, I think that, you know, Miami's going to show well here. Um, They're able to run the football. The issue for them has been Tyler Van Dyke has not been healthy, and when he has been out there, the last five games that he's played, he's thrown 11 interceptions. I think as long as he limits those turnovers, I think they should have some success on the ground. They should be able to bully Louisville in the trenches a little bit. I like the Canes here. Uh, It's always scary back in this team, though. You know, even at home, they don't really have a home field advantage, and Mario hasn't done Done very well at home since he's taken over the program, but I do think they get the job done tomorrow.
1: Ryan Horvat here with us. Let's go 3 30 p.m. Eastern on CBS, number one Georgia, number 18, Tennessee. The dogs are a 10-point favorite. I feel like anytime uh, Georgia, right, is like a 10-point favorite. It starts to have that conversation, like even up against Ole Miss last week. 10, 10 and a half points. Do you plus the number? You know, is Georgia vulnerable? That's been the conversation since September. Georgia hasn't lost the game. Looks like Brock Bowers coming back as well. Is this one of those games where you look at it and it's oh, everyone said that conversation the last few weeks? No one's really been able to uh do well outside of Missouri. Uh, given a good effort, is this one of those games where Vegas is saying, hey, it's only a 10-point spread, everyone's going to jump on the dogs, lay the 10, and then Tennessee finds a way to cover?
2: Yeah, this one's funny, right? Because this is where if you're betting games, especially in college football, like the NFL is a little bit different, but in college football, you have to have a short memory because I like Tennessee last week. They didn't show up for that game. I mean, they scored seven points, which – I mean, a Josh Heupel team only scoring seven points. I never thought that I would see the day. But Tennessee, I think they go back to the basics this week against Georgia. I think they should actually be able to have some success on the ground. They have three really good running backs. Uh, Right now, Tennessee's actually top 10 in explosive run rate. They don't really push the ball down the field. You know, Joe Milton, I do not trust trust him whatsoever. I mean, he looked really good that first half against Alabama. And then, you know, after that, he's just kind of been shaky all season long. But I actually think that Tennessee might be able to – not completely shut down Georgia's offense. The offense has been great. Carson Beck's averaging over 300 passing yards. Like you said, they get Brock Bowers back. They're starting to be able to run the ball a little bit better. They're getting more push up front with that offensive line. But the Tennessee defensive front has actually been pretty good in uh, defending the inside and outside zone runs. They could get after the quarterback a little bit. So I think Tennessee keeps this game close. I don't know how they do it, but I took them with the points here, plus 10 and a half.
1: Ryan Horvat joining us from Beck All righty, let's go to... Uh, what may be the game of the weekend? Uh, we have Washington, 7 30 p.m. Eastern Time, going to Oregon State in Corvallis. Uh, Oregon State, 8 2, 11th in the country. We know Washington has not lost a game and still, somehow, some way, the College Football Playoff Committee, even though their ranking suggests that Washington has the best win of the season, taking care of Oregon, who's ranked six, still doesn't have Washington in the top four for the College Football Playoff oregon state a one-point favorite so i'll pick them pretty much who's going to win this game between washington and oregon state all right i've had this
2: one circled um so i like the spot and i like the trends i like the number i like everything here i took oregon state on the money line i think they win this game outright i think it's kind of like a market indicator that you have an undefeated team going against a two-loss team, and, you know, the two-loss team's taking money. They're out to two-point favorites right now. I love Washington. I like Michael Penix. I love Kalen DeBoer. 17 straight wins, but that defense has been flirting with disaster. You know, a couple weeks ago, they didn't even show very well against Stanford, and they're not very physical up front. Like, Washington's outside the top 100 in line yards, have it created, stuff rate, success rate, tackles for loss. They're not a great tackling team, and that's what Oregon State's going to want to do. They're going to want to bully them in the trenches. They have probably the best, second-best offensive line. in the Pac-12 next to Oregon. Damian Martinez and Fenwick have both been really good carrying the football this season. They're top 25 in explosive runs. Last year in the same matchup, they both averaged over six yards per carry. And DJU's been pretty good. You know, they're 15th in the country in passing down explosiveness. So I think they're going to have some success against that Washington defense. I think it might be a higher scoring game. And if you like trends, Corvallis, man, the Beavers at home, 17-1 and against the spread. Over the past three seasons, the most profitable team in all of college football. It's a tough place to play. It's a primetime game. The crowd's going to be electric. I like the Beavers to pull off. I guess I wouldn't call it an upset because they're favored in the game. But I if Washington upset, goes yeah. down, that shakes everything up, you know?
1: Yeah. And you know what? Jonathan Smith, I know he's oh. an, an Oregon State guy. But now left out of pretty much all the movement uh, in away from the Pac-12, you hear about AM. and and you also hear about Mississippi State opening up. And no one talks about this guy for getting either of those jobs. I think he would be a really good hire for both schools. And this is a guy that is definitely fed up with everything happening, even at his school, because, you know, you you have a team, but you don't have a home in a conference. And they're talking about the Mountain West and all that stuff. Uh, there's a program that would make a smart hire if they end up uh, bringing him in as the next head football coach.
2: Completely agree. Like, look what he's done. And I mean, there's a lot of guys. You got Lance at Kansas who took that program yeah. over, but Man, I mean, he Oregon. says he doesn't
1: want to leave. So take that for what it's worth, but he said that's his last job, Kansas. Now we'll see if that actually happens.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dan Lanning said the same about Oregon. I actually believe Dan Lanning. Though. I do too. I, I I mean You know why? A- you know why,
1: Ryan? He needs to just look at that institution. Look at Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart left Oregon after an eh year at Oregon, goes to Florida State. I don't even know where Willie Taggart is anymore because he got fired from the school in uh, Florida, too. Do yeah. not leave a good situation for AM, which, yeah, has all these resources, but it's not like Oregon has no resources. They have Phil Knight. That's a tremendous job. I know he's an SEC guy, has all the roots. He would be stupid. And I would say this to him if he's on the show right now. I know he follows me on Twitter, so he sees my tweets because I put this video out there. He would be stupid if he left Oregon for AM right now. I completely agree, man. And when I talk about Oregon this season, like people call me
2: crazy. I think that they could beat Michigan and Georgia on a neutral field. I really do. And I I know like last year, week one against Georgia, they didn't show very well. That was Dan Lanning's first game as head coach. Yeah. Bo Nix was being introduced to a new offense. But what's scary about Oregon, man, is... And that turned not out to be typical... one of the great
1: college football teams of all time, too, in yeah, Georgia. Yeah,
2: exactly. And you know what's scary about Oregon, man? They're not your typical Pac-12 team. They've kind of become what... What Utah has been like, they could bowl you in the trenches. I think they have the best offensive line. You know, defensively, they could get after the quarterback and they could run the ball. Bucky Irving's averaging over seven yards per carry. And then Bo Nix is most likely going to be your Heisman. So they're a scary football team. I just hope that they take care of business. That game next week against Oregon State is going to be really, really good. Luckily, that game though is in Eugene. So they get that going for them.
1: All righty, let's cue the NFL music. It's time to get to some picks right now. I will start things off. I'm going to have a trend here in my first two picks. Usually I get afraid by a big number. That's not the case uh, here. Dolphins, this is now up to a 13-point favorite. Raiders have won back-to-back games. It's a win streak for Stuart Kovacs, our big-time Raider fan here on the show. But you were going up against two dog-bleep teams in the New York football Giants and The New York Jets, now you're going up against the Dolphins who for Miami. The last time we saw them out on the football field, their offense did nothing. Um, I love the Dolphins this week. I think the Dolphins are the definition, as a lot of teams are this year, good but not great. The Raiders may look like they have a good, solid record, but they're not a good football team. They are average at best. I think the Dolphins put up points, 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 and more points and I did see that they got rid of uh, Robbie Chosen, Robbie Anderson, who used to be a college classmate of mine. I think that even helps the Miami Dolphins even more. Tyree kill, load him up with a bunch of uh, touchdowns this week. I love the Dolphins laying the thirteen. I
2: agree. I love them laying the thirteen as well. And I also like the team total over on the points in case like big numbers scare you off. But all right, I'm going to go with a uh, ugly favorite. I guess they're a favorite now. I'm going to go with the Browns on the money line against the Steelers. You know the Steelers. They've been outgained in all nine games this season, but they keep finding ways to win. They find ways to win because they could get after the quarterback, but when they don't get after the quarterback, they have a bottom five pass defense actually in this league. They keep winning games because they only have eight turnovers this season. Kenny Pickett, quarters one through three, you know, he's all over the place, but in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden he becomes Tom Brady, but I don't like the Matt Canada offense, man. Above average run rates, Kenny Pickett not pushing the ball down the field at all. I went back, I watched the last two weeks, he hasn't attempted a throw between the hashes the last two games. The offense is just not creative whatsoever and the Browns have been really dominant against the run. You know, I know they've kind of come back down to earth the last couple of weeks against teams like Baltimore, but that's a really good Browns defense. And I know it's DTR getting the start and the first start didn't go very well. He had a bunch of turnovers, but he found out that he was starting three hours before kickoff. Now they've had a full week to prepare. I think we see more of the DTR game plan, a lot of RPOs. I think they're going to be able to target the Steelers in the middle of the field. They're beat up at the linebacker position. No Minka. Fitzpatrick still in this game. I like the Browns to win this game, even with DTR taking over for Deshaun Watson, who, let's be honest, hasn't been great this season outside of uh, the fourth quarter last week against Baltimore.
1: And you look at that spread attack, Cleveland minus one and a half, even after the Deshaun injury news from earlier in the week, it's almost like they're begging you to take the Steelers plus the points. I think that is a savvy play. Uh, by one Ryan Horvat who joins us right now from BetMGM tonight via BetQL. All righty, big spread here. I'm surprised the spread isn't even higher. That's what makes me a little bit concerned about it. But the Panthers just have no damn clue what they're doing. Three weeks ago, oh, we got to take away the play-calling duties from Frank Reich. Now he has the play-calling duties back. Yeah, Bryce Young could be a good quarterback, but they're ruining him right in front of our eyes as we speak. Uh, Dallas, this is what they do. Great teams, they can't win. We saw that up against the Eagles. We saw that up against... Um, the San Francisco 49ers against the crappy teams. They look like the greatest team to ever get onto a football field. Dallas wins. Dallas wins big. I don't even know if the Panthers score a point in this game. Give me the Cowboys laying the ten and a half points. You know, I
2: usually stay away from like the big primetime matchups. I try to with my picks, but I love the Eagles. I liked them at three. They're down to two and a half right now. I just think right now they're the better football team, which is funny, man, because becoming, coming into the season, I worried a little bit about a Super Bowl hangover, you know, replacing a lot of those guys. I worried about the slot corner position, obviously, but Jalen right now looks healthy enough. And A.J. Brown is a nightmare matchup. How do you defend him? And I like Kansas City. Obviously, I love the defense. I love Spags. I think he's a genius, but they're still trying to figure out who's that number one guy outside of Travis Kelsey. Mahomes has had some turnovers the last couple of weeks. Uh, I like Philadelphia to get their revenge from the Super Bowl and win this game outright as two and a half point dogs. So I'll go with Philly plus two and a half.
1: How old is uh, your son? Just wondering. 10 years old. Do you give piggybacks? Just wondering. I used to. Not
2: so much anymore. I got a bum hip now.
1: All righty. Well, the other hip may need some work too because you have a large fella and yours truly jumping on your back here. You're giving me a piggyback on this one. I'm taking the Eagles as well. I had them circled as one of my three picks today. Love them as my underdog this week. Plus two and a half. I agree with you. I think they win the game outright up against the Kansas City Chiefs. I know always betting against the Chiefs usually does not fare well. It feels like just with two, they have 1587, all that stuff. I think this game means more to Philadelphia because everyone knows the Chiefs will be somewhat there at the end of the season. I know their offense has not played great this year. Their defense has been awesome. But for the Eagles, they're 8-1, and one, coming off a bye week. And the Eagles have been told all throughout the year, oh, you're not as great as what your 8-1 record says you are, and there's still a different version of the Eagles. I think you see that. And also, Jalen Hurts, last time we saw him on the field, dealing with the bone bruise, now gets an extra week to rest up coming out of the bye. Um, I do like uh, the Eagles this week, even though Andy Reid is tremendous coming off a bye as well. But give me the birds plus two and a half. Your final pick? All right. Oh
2: man, I was torn between a couple really ugly dogs. I like Chicago a little bit, but the number's gone. You know, they were nine and a half. Now they're down to seven and a half. I don't want to do that against the Lions. So actually, I'm going to go with a favorite. Give me uh, the Jacksonville Jags, six and a half point favorites. Now that we're off the seven, it's minus 120. They're going against Tennessee. They should be healthy in this matchup. They're at home. That means Will Levis has to go on the road. And the Jags, defensively, they're starting to figure some things out, but you could still attack them through the pass game. But they're a top five run defense. That means they might be able to contain, at least shut down, uh, you know contain Derrick Henry in this matchup and uh, Trevor Lawrence in that offense not fully clicking the way that I wanted them to coming into the season but I think they get things going against that Titans pass defense it's always scary scary betting against Mike Vrabel as a big dog here but uh, I'll lay it with Jacksonville actually actually minus six and a half right now Uh, over at BetMGM it's minus 120 give me the Jags still though
1: if Will Levis wins this game will you put mayo in your coffee and try it on the air next week if Will Levis wins this game outright, yes, I will do that.
2: And okay. I'm embarrassed to say, you know, um, I've actually tried this before. I tried this uh last year, you know, when it when the viral videos were coming out and and he was at Kentucky. And what it's do not you that think? bad. I'm not, big, I'm not even a big mayo guy, but the coffee kind of like wiped away the taste i don't know i didn't really even notice it
1: i'll I'll have to put a little bit more i think i know you like my abilities as a host but you know we don't reinvent the wheel here we just like to continue to add on to the bit and almost kill the bit so that's what we're trying to do here a year later all these shows were doing this last year we'll do it this year if will Levis could find a way to get a victory
2: yeah, if he does that, I'll do – yeah, I'm all Mayo in. shots wins, for all. No. <laughs> mayo shots. Yeah, and I don't like mayo, man. That's it's, that's on my list. Mayo, sour cream, I don't do it.
1: Dolphins minus 13. Cowboys minus 10.5. Eagles plus 2.5. Those are my plays for Ryan Horvath. Browns, here we go, brownies. Here we go. Yeah. Hur, hur, minus a point yeah. and a half. Eagles plus 2.5. And, and the Jaguars laying 6.5 for Ryan Horvath. From BetMGM Tonight via BetQL, Horvat, thanks so much. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, man. Enjoy the games this weekend. You got it. There he is, Ryan Horvat joining us. We'll come on back. Got a little Ask the Pros question for you right around the corner, but first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update, here he is, the act man, Rich Ackerman.
3: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of
1: reasons you might
3: consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process
1: to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. All righty, this is Zach Gilb show on CBS Sports Radio. Our final poll calculations for today. At Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B, at CBS Sports Radio on Twitter. Who represents the AFC in the Super Bowl this year? Ravens, Chiefs, Dolphins, or other? Currently, 11 point, uh, 11% straight up say the Dolphins. rock and roll with other 29.4% say the Baltimore Ravens and running away with this at 43.1% the Kansas city. How about those chiefs? I think the chiefs are the right answer because even though the Ravens would not fear Kansas city and the Ravens, as long as eight stays healthy in Lamar Jackson, which that was a little bit of a scare last night with the ankle injury, as long as eight is healthy, they could beat any team, not only in the AFC but also in the NFL. However, we do the song and dance with Kansas City all the time. When you are the team, when you are that squad, everyone goes, oh, they're vulnerable, and we did it last year. Up, oh, they don't have Tyreek Hill. Oh, they're going to go down. And even when it doesn't look pretty, they find a way to get it done. And when the AFC is so open, or you have these teams like Joe Burrow having a quarterback get injured with the Bengals, or the Browns start to get hot, and then Deshaun Watson's out for the year. You just see there's so many teams that are falling, and it continues to work in favor of Kansas City, who still, up until this point, has not played this unbelievable great game on the offensive side of the ball. And it would be so kind of Kansas City-like to lose this game to Philly on Monday. Ravens coming off this win on Thursday, and everyone's like, oh, Ravens are now the team to beat. And then come playoff time, Kansas City gets the job done. And that's the injury part with Lamar and him getting hurt the last two years still scares the you-know-what out of me. And I hope it doesn't happen. I want to see Lamar be healthy. I want to see Lamar in the Super Bowl. I would love to be in Vegas for the Super Bowl, and I'm not a fan of the Ravens you know, because of all the great games the Patriots and Ravens have played. But this Ravens team, I have nothing against them. But I want to see... The Ravens in the Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson inside a dome, fun environment, like going up against Jalen Hurts, you know, even going up against the 49ers, Detroit Lions. I would love to see that. It would be fun because I don't like the way that people have talked about Lamar Jackson with how young he is in this league and what he has accomplished. And just because he hasn't won yet, people go, oh, he can never win. Like, there's, you could question, you know, will he ever win? But to say adamantly he can't win at all, I just don't understand that. Not everyone walks into the league right away and wins a Super Bowl. Like, look how long it took Peyton Manning. Look how long it took John Elway. And I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is going to be Peyton Manning or John Elway at the end of his career. But Lamar has won a unanimous MVP. Lamar is an electrifying player in the NFL. But right now, I still have to give the edge to the Chiefs, whose defense is rolling right now. I know the Ravens have great defense, too. But usually in Kansas City, it's the offense that's soaring and the defense that's playing catch-up. Now it's the offense playing catch-up and the defense doing a dominant job under Steve Spagdola. It's time to answer our Ask the Pros question of the day. And this is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tim in Oregon says, Zach, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? You could submit a question by tweeting at CBS Sports Radio or at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B, using the hashtag Ask the Pros. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs, get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So I saw this tweet today. From a guy named C. Lou. On Twitter. And it said one Thanksgiving dessert has to go forever. Pecan pie. Sweet potato pie. Apple pie. Or pumpkin pie. Now that's a great question. I think pecan pie is the preeminent pie. Out of those four pies. So that means I'd have to get rid of sweet potato pie. Apple pie or pumpkin pie. Huh. Apple pie I would keep. So, it's between sweet potato pie or pumpkin pie. I would get rid of pumpkin pie. That's the one that I would get rid of. Stu, you have a problem with that? Your head just dropped. That's by far my favorite one of the four. Really? By far, yes. You love pumpkin pie? Love
2: pumpkin pie.
1: Samter, are you a pumpkin pie guy? Yeah, same, boat. It's pumpkin, pecan, apple I can do without. Okay.
2: Same. Um, I can do without apple.
1: Even with the hunk of ice cream, the vanilla ice cream on the apple pie? Oh, that's the... Like, apple pie on its own, don't love. You put a hunk... Of uh vanilla ice cream on that uh on that apple pie. Mm. I just love that taste of the apple on the ice
0: cream. No, sure. That definitely makes it better, but it's still third of those of those three. Now give me an apple pie from McDonald's, all for it.
1: So Thanksgiving, you you definitely have a pumpkin pie still? Yes, every year.
0: Hundred percent sweet potato pie is, is good as well.
1: I like sweet potato pie. Yeah, I do but, but like.
0: pumpkin pie, pie is the way to go for Thanksgiving. So
1: I've already told you we are not big uh, turkey people. We've <laughs> dished the bird a while ago, and we are smart and we do Thanksgiving. You directly. are a turkey. It's amazing how many people this month they come up to me and they say, "Thank you so much for talking about how turkey's overrated." And I was actually at the doctor. Uh, this was last week. I've been doing a bunch of doctor appointments, just get them all out of the, the way this month. And I brought up my turkey take. To the lady at the doctor and she goes you're so smart <laughs> like i was like oh you're speaking my love language as well she goes yeah turkey's very overrated she goes you deep fry it then it's good but if just a traditional turkey too much work and it doesn't taste that good so um we're all in agreement there we do this uh ice box cake and i make it now i think i told you guys this nabisco got rid of their old school um legendary famous Nabisco chocolate wafer. After like 100 years, they discontinued this wafer. So I've been on the search for the replacement. And after many weeks and many months of searching for this, and all the recommendations I read online, on Amazon I found a Nabisco wafer that is a Nabisco Oreo wafer is the way that they brand it. And it's just like made for like ice cream sandwiches, I guess, like a a cookie sandwich. And they just sell the cookie. It came today. I tried it. It's a little bit thicker, like slightly, like a tad thicker than the um traditional old kind of uh, Nabisco Legendary Chocolate wa- Wafer, but it tastes basically the same. So I think I have now cost a lot of money. I got 5 pounds of these things. It was the only option that was left. Should I spent like 60 70 bucks on these
2: waves <laughs> <laughs>
1: Crazy. Wow. Now I didn't tell my family cuz they're like, "You spent how much on those cookies, you moron?" And I know my family watches the show, so, you know, you I saved Thanksgiving. Zach Gelb saved Thanksgiving. And I tried the cookie last night. Well, it was a lot of debate. I went home, uh, visited my parents, my sister in town with the baby and all that. And I said, "You got to try these uh these cookies." And my my dad was like very against it. My sister very against it. It's not going to be the same. My dad goes, this cookie actually may be better than the uh, old-school Nabisco chocolate wafer. So I saved Thanksgiving. There you go. Thank you very much. Lasagna, icebox cake, that's all I need on Thanksgiving. And I'm a very, 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 very happy camper. That concludes a Friday edition of the Zach Gilb show on CBS Sports Radio. I just read that Joe, uh, Joe Burr, we know, is out for the season. Uh, we know that Deshaun Watson's out for the season as well. Joe Flacco was seen last night on a plane Uh, Going to Cleveland, there was a thought that he was going to sign with the Cleveland Browns. He had a meeting today. Is not signing with the Cleveland Browns is what I just read. Um, I think that was via Jordan Schultz. So have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the college football. I will talk to you Sunday at noon Eastern for eight hours on Ion Football, and then we'll be back next week, short week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We have three loaded shows for you as the Zach Gelb show always gets started on all these great affiliates at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Have a great weekend, everybody. We out. Bye-bye. Peace.